1: I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now,
0: here's your host, Tara Kennedy-Klein. Ah,
1: that's what I want you guys to play. I want you guys to put a like a, a, a cheering laugh track, like, like applause when I come on. No, <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, very, very appropriate. Don't you think that'd be awesome? Yes. <laughs> hey, everybody, welcome to Parent Nation. <laughs> Can you tell we're in rare form today? Oh my gosh. Ah, uh, so how's your week been, Kelly? Oh, it's been good. It's
2: been good. I went up north here in Arizona. We went about two miles north to, to the cool country
1: for a couple of days. Mm, getting your chill on.
2: Yes. Yeah, so we went up to a friend's cabin. We had a great time. Just. You know, uh detoxing from electronics and played card games and cooked out and sucked in a cabin. It was a good time. Yeah, yeah, it was a great time.
1: And you didn't post any of it on Facebook. I know. Well I was detoxing. Oh. <laughs> See that's the thing that's kinda of boring about detox. Like you right. do all this really cool stuff and you wanna post it on Facebook, right? Right, right. Or or Instagram or whatever. <laughs> And you can't, because you're detoxing. I get right. it. My yeah. husband had his butt handed to him because we had a family <gasps> game night, and he took a picture and posted it on Facebook. oh And his friend was like, uh, did you not use technology to post this picture of your family not using technology on Facebook? Oh, see? And I was like, G- you know what? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> We're allowed to use it. We get paid to use it. That's our new philosophy in our house. When our kids give us shit for using technology, because um, like, their rule is 8 o'clock, screens are off at 8 o'clock. Okay. But my husband and I don't follow that rule, because that would just be stupid, because hey, yeah. we're, we're adults. And they're like, that's not fair. You shouldn't be allowed to use technology if we can't use technology. And I'm like, hey, when you get paid to use it, then you have an excuse. Until then, I don't want to hear you. It's my rules There you go Jeez, whatever, kids these days Oh my gosh Have you seen the Common Core stuff that's happening right now? Um,
2: no Well, you know, I've been gone for a few days, so Well, Common Core has
1: been like a problem since, well, they put it out there Okay, I agree with you on that I cannot stand it it's redonkulous. And yes. um, was it, it was it California? Was it a California school district that said Nix not doing it, not using it? There was Banned. one. Yeah, and uh, so now these parents, a bunch. Well, the people who created it, of course, they're upset because you know they're not going to get the royalties for right. using their programs. So these parents are banding together and they're starting to post online. Some of the problems The math problems It's particular. Common core is for all subjects It flows through all subjects But the problems are really in math it, I agree So um, these parents are posting Images of their kids Homework assignments that they're bringing home That are done in this common core And the one is like um, 325 minus 38 <laughs> And it's a six step process That these kids have to go to A six step process To go I through know. And, and then they have to explain
2: it in a paragraph at the end. Are you kidding me? Like, no. Oh, my gosh. They say, well, why did you figure it out this way? Because well, you duh. told me you, you, dumbass.
1: Uh-huh. That's why I figured it out that way. And I would encourage my children to write that. Not Maybe not the dumbass part, but I would encourage my children to write because you made me. That's why I figured it out this way. I would not have done it this way. This is how I would have done it. And then I would have had my kids do it the way it should be done. And then say, there, there you go. That's why I did it that way. So, I mean, here's the thing. I am not, I am not a math wizard, but I'm one of those people who does have to use math in my, in my work. Mm -hmm. So I have gotten really used to doing the whole common core thing. Their whole argument is it's teaching it. Okay. If you were going to bake a cake, right, you automatically know that you cream the butter and the eggs and the sugar together first. You just automatically know that. You don't have to read the ingredients to know that. So people who are really good at math, who aren't just learning math, know that the easiest way to do that problem would be to round 38 up to 40, subtract from there, and then you know take two away from your finished answer, right, okay. your final answer. So I get that part of it, but why does it have to take six steps? That's what I don't understand. Like, why can't we just teach the kids the whole rounding up part? Uh, I I don't know. They do, and then this stuff
2: comes up, and they make you erase everything that you've learned, all the shortcuts, all the easy things to learn to make math easier, and then they come around, and what, about two years ago, start making you do it the long way. It's dumb. It's, it's just. It's. Dumb. I agree. I cannot stand it. And then I
0: have, it.
1: I have a kid on. Uh, you know, Alex. My my youngest is on the spectrum. Yeah. But he's also gifted, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's looking at he's looking at algebra problems right now, and figuring them out in his head. Right. But he's not allowed to. Right. We can't get this kid to write anything He's been on a laptop since he was in 5th grade Because he doesn't write Like, There's such a thing called dysgraphia If any of you out there in Parent Nation Know of a child Who acts like it's physically painful For them to write You might want to have them evaluated Because there is such a thing Where kids perceive writing as physically painful And so they fight it It's usually kids with sensory disorders And that sort of thing But it's called dysgraphia so Alex, we're, we have been working through this with him over the last, you know, four, four years, and he's doing phenomenally well with it, by the way. But Good. still, you know, here's a kid who can do the math in his head and is willing to write down a final answer, but you're going to make him go through a six-step process and then change his gra- give him a bad grade because he didn't show his work. It's right. like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? We're punishing kids for being brilliant.
2: Yeah, I agree We really are I agree And then if you have a I was going to say A-hole teacher That, especially in math Which is the situation my daughter was in In 7th grade It just makes it worse It it just Mm -hmm. makes you hate math I mean, she was an A student Especially in math All the way up till 7th grade And then they start this common core And, you know, it just ruined it Math for her because a teacher it, ruined math for me. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. the teacher plus the common core because, you know, she, she at, <laughs> her teacher actually has a rocket scientist for a son. And she will say, well, my rocket scientist son, da, 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 da. And if somebody asks a question, she'll be like, well, that's an easy one, but okay. <gasps> Are you yeah. kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you.
1: Oh my and, gosh.
2: And, yeah, and just stuff like, well, ask your table mates, ha- have them help you figure it out. And then she she's, uh, defends herself by saying, well, we're not supposed to teach it to them. They're supposed to figure it out first. Oh, that's They're such supposed such to cool. try to figure it out.
1: That's such bull. Everybody know. knows you have to teach before you can. Common sense doesn't exist in little kids because stuff has to be common before it can be common sense. Mm hmm. Right? So if you've never learned it, it can't possibly be common sense. And and look at the name of the program. Common Core. Right? (laughs) Mm. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And a a teacher, I had a teacher in ninth grade. Uh I was struggling so bad in algebra. So bad. And I asked, I went up to her, finally got the guts because I was scared to death of that woman. Right, right. finally got the guts to walk up to her desk after class. And I asked her for help, and she looked at me and she goes, no one can help you.
2: Oh, jeez.
1: She goes, you should probably just ride this year out and then take something easy next year like consumer math, which is what I did. And I told myself from that point forward that I sucked at math, and that was the belief system that she instilled in me that I owned for the rest of high school. And I still joke about it. You know, I look at my kids math problems and I go, I'm sorry, guys, I can't help you. You're going to have to wait till dad gets home. And then when I sit down and my husband teaches it to them and I listen and pay attention to what he's teaching to them, I get it. And I go, why couldn't she have done that? You know, a bazillion years ago. Right, would have changed a lot for me. But you know what? Then again, maybe I would have been like a doctor or something, and then I would have my own radio show, and oh, then I would have screwed up my whole life. So it's <laughs> so thank you, thank you, Miss Funk, for screwing me up. Because look at me now. So there, kiss my butt. Speaking of screwing kids up,
2: I thought you were going to say speaking of butts.
1: <laughs> no, that was last week's show. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Jesus. Speaking of screwing kids up, I have to tell you, high school football has become such a shit show, it's not even funny. Mm. Have you seen the news? Okay, so now we have two football football teams, football programs, entire programs in New Jersey that have been canceled for the rest of the year because this, the kids... Are being so ridiculous. They're hurting each other. They're they're negative. They're um, just being obscene, um, horrible attitudes, unsportsmanlike conduct, all of this stuff, hazing in the locker rooms, and so they're, So the coaches are have two of the coaches in two different school districts in New Jersey have canceled their football programs. Good, and of course the parents are going crazy. Right. You know, like the one parent for the Toms River High School football team, when the parent heard that the coach had canceled, that the the coach said to the kids, that's it, you're done for the rest of the season. You guys are so ridiculous and so uncoachable and so mean and so negative and so horrible out there to the other players, you're done. You're done for the rest of the year. The dad ran out on the field and tackled the coach and started beating him up, got arrested for assault. Oh my gosh. And then we want to go, I don't know where these kids are getting it from. Right. Why are they so negative? Here's the thing. I'm the mom with the minivan, and Mm -hmm. I'm the one who nobody perceives as having a real job. So I get, mostly I get taxi duty after football practice. Okay. I saw a group of boys, and sometimes, I mean, I illegally have like 10 kids in my car, but we're going a block, so I don't really care. But anyway... Sometimes I'll have, like, a a boatload of kids in my car, teenage boys. In the summertime when they were just going to weight room and they were just running drills and they were just having fun, the conversations were really good. The conversations were happy and fun and what are you guys doing this weekend and what are we doing after practice and let's go to the pool and, you know, it was good stuff. As soon as the coaches got involved and the parents started going to the practices and the practices became actually about running plays and tackling and hitting – those kids started getting in that van and they were mad at each other and they were bitching about each other and they were getting ugly and you know, oh my gosh so then we start going to scrimmages scrimmages Kelly uh-oh and parents are in the stands yelling get mad you're not mad enough you need to hit him hit him get him out of the game he's ridiculous it-. they're encouraging their teenagers Who are right now still in the frame of mind where they're in fight or flight mode. That's how they process information. They don't know when to turn that switch off. They're making their kids get mad and hit each other harder and meaner. We have more kids out on the injured list than we have ever had in our school's history this season. My kid, and and here's the thing, before people start jumping all over me, listen, I got a 225-pound linebacker who has a broken freaking hip right now, so I don't want to hear anybody telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about. I've seen a kid get broken physically, and I've seen him get broken emotionally because he wants so badly to be on that field with his team, and he can't be. So he's going to every single practice anyway. He's going to every single game anyway. I'm working in the in the concession stand anyway because he wants to be part of that team so badly because that's his family. And at the same time, he's getting in a van and talking about how pissed off he is that this one kid for the, you know the right line is doing badly and letting everybody through. I'm back there being like coach mom, you know, trying to go, okay, now you guys need to shut up and you can't, you can't will things for other people. So what are you doing to, that's really good. And what mistake did you make that you could do differently? Like I'm trying to coach them to be positive about what they're doing and the parents are out there. Their coaches are smacking these kids in the head, literally. Mm. You know cursing at these kids when they come off the line Yelling and screaming in their faces And then we want to know Why a kid takes off his helmet And pummels another kid During a fight Because that happened in our, in our school district last year Because they're not We're not teaching our kids how to control Their passion This is such a passionate sport We're not teaching our kids how to control Their passion We're teaching kids how to elevate their anger And use it to their benefit how in the hell is that going to serve them? I don't understand why parents and coaches don't see what they're doing. I simply don't understand it. And, you know, it's one of those things where if you get in, if you, your kid gets in the car with you, your 15-, 16-year-old kid gets in the car with you, I'm, you know what? Forget that. It starts when they're 8 years old, Kelly. Yes, it's, it does. It's, It starts when they're eight years old and they're playing touch football and flag football, and their coaches are screaming at them for messing up when they come off the field. That's when it starts. And then their parents are pulling them off to the sidelines and screaming in their faces because they made a mistake when they were eight years old. That's when it starts. I got lambasted online. Because I put up a meme I created a meme that said Do you think if adults just let kids play for fun Kids would start playing again? And who do you think Who do you think had the biggest comments about the nose? I mean there was one girl that I love Who's a, who's a football She's a parent nation Laura Fry, you know who you are She's a parent nation mom And she's, you know, she's a huge football fan she, she doesn't like the everybody getting trophies thing But there were dads on there going, we need to tell them what they're doing wrong. We need to tell them that they need to hit harder. We need to tell them that they need to take this game seriously. You know what, Parent Nation? No, we don't. No, we don't. We need to tell them that they need to take play seriously because that's how they learn. That's how they learn social interactions. Before you bitch about your kid being online so much that they have no social skills left, think about what you're teaching them while they're in the team sports that are supposed to teach them social skills and supposed to teach them cooperation and supposed to teach them winning and losing with grace. Think about how you're handling those interactions before you blame a device. That is actually allowing them to communicate with the people that they're supposed to be communicating with. So, you know, that's my rant about that. As far as the trophies go, here's the thing. Enter a sport. Enter, enter a running race or a bike race today and don't get a tchotchke for entering. See if that happens. See if you pay $25 to enter something and don't get a T-shirt if that doesn't piss you off. And then go back and tell your kid that they shouldn't get a ribbon or a tchotchke or a, a trophy that says, thank you for being part of our team and giving your best this year. We appreciate you. That's what the trophies are supposed to be about. So stop bitching that your kid got a, or somebody got a winner's trophy when they didn't deserve it. And start appreciating what your kids are actually putting into the sports that you're putting them into. That's my rant when we come back from this break. We're going to be talking to Dan and Dante, and he wrote the book, The Complete Asshole Dad, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say about kids and sports. (laughs) What do you think, Kelly? I think it's going to be good. I think we're going to get our fun on when we come back from this break, Parent Nation.
0: It takes a village to pay the bills in this freaking studio, which is why Tara's taking a cocktail break and we're taking care of business with the work of these sponsors. Spark your soul radio with Anne Phyllis. Perspectives with purpose. Insights with heart. The WooHoo Radio Network show for spiritual seekers and fire starters who are ready to stop feeling lost, alone, confused, or blocked, and start tuning into your soul speak so you can ignite all areas of your world from your work to your your relationships lifestyle to legacy host Ann phyllis is a spiritual analyst fire starter energy alchemist and soul truth clairvoyant using the heart and purpose-based principles of her signature soul sense system and offers weekly wisdom for tuning in letting go unlocking and unblocking if you've been walking through life with excess baggage a heavy heart a feeling of disconnection from your inner life Consider Anne your guide to spark your soul journey and reignite your relationships, life, purpose, work, and spiritual consciousness. Got a question for Anne? Want to be a guest on her show? Visit sparkyoursoul.me and listen to Anne every Thursday at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Shh! Listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better forever. This is real business at its very best. where you matter and your business thrives every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house?
1: (laughs) It's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer.
0: Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show.
1: Hey, Paranation. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have my first guest on. His name is Dan and Dante. And here's the thing. I got a lot of my guests send me their books in advance, which I love because I love to read them. And when I opened, my kids opened this one and they were like, mom, mom. Why is this guy calling himself an asshole? And I was like, well, I don't know, baby. Maybe he is. Like, look, just look, give me the paper. <laughs> so I started reading up on, on Dan. And um, in his own words, he's a bitter, vindictive attorney. And he's most famous for writing the semi-relationship book, The Complete Asshole's Guide to Handling Chicks, which sounds like a legit book. I'm I know my husband would probably love it. So he now dan is uh is beholden by two kids and a an amazing wife i'm sure and uh so he decided to write a parenting book and you know we're all about parenting so i am i just had to have dan on the show so dan hey how are you
3: good morning tara thanks for having me on
1: (laughs) you're in you're in california it's early for you dan yeah, no,
3: no, it is a little bit early. I had, to, I had to kind of speed up my kids' schedule this morning, so I had to just pour them two bowls of sugary cereal instead of making them two, you know, sugary pancakes. So, But I'm here and ready to go.
1: <laughs> I, say, I say sugar them up first thing in the morning so the teachers think they're going to have a good experience and then let them crash before they come home.
3: Look, as long as they're asleep by recess, everything is okay.
1: Exactly. I, I think they should still do nap time. Like in middle school and high school, I think they'd well, have a lot easier time of it.
3: Well, I do nap time every day, so I don't know why the kids shouldn't do it. I agree, hundred percent.
1: Exactly, masterful at it. I gave it up for a while, like when I was a toddler, and I was I was like a total bitch during that phase. So you know, I've I've yeah. recently brought it back. I think. No, it it's it's it. shocking
3: to me that kids don't continue to nap. You know, their entire you know childhood they stop at age four or five, which is ridiculous. I mean, you know, they stop you know they stop napping. You know, they, they stop doing a lot of things that just, you know, that we start again when we're old. You know, like, I, I, go, I go to sleep every day at lunch. I'm out. You know, lock the door, you know, turn my computer on and, you know, make it loud, sound like I'm on a conference call and just pass out every single day. And why kids don't want to do it in middle school makes no sense to me.
1: I don't get it. Well, we, we tried in middle school, Dan, though. We tried to fall asleep, <laughs> but then the, that, the, the, there was always that jerk next to you that, like, told the teacher that you were sleeping, and then you'd, like, lift your head up, and you'd got that string of drool from your arm to your face, and you're like, what?
3: Yeah, yeah but sleeping. Tara, when you and I were in middle school, we were stoned, so it was a that lot of to sleep back then.
1: That is true. little so, different these days. <laughs> maybe that's why I sucked it math. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding,
3: ding.
1: Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. We have the answer. So, yeah. <laughs> so okay. What... Is this your book is awesome? Your first which story. One? Which
3: one? Wait, which the, one do you like? The Asshole most?
1: Dad, The Complete okay. Asshole Dad. I love. Well, I didn't read the Maybe. other one because I'm already in a relationship and I don't want my husband to get any ideas about how to not treat me. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep that one out of the house. But this one, like, he grabbed it first. He, yeah. My husband started reading it first and I knew it was going to be good when he went, oh, and then he started laughing. So, right. yeah, um, the first story is a little bit of a. You kind of go, oh, geez, is the whole thing gonna go like this? We, you,
3: you well, just, whenever you start a book, to, to, I believe first page one should always be talking about your wife's vagina. That's always <laughs> the first place to start. <laughs> Everything after that is easy. Yeah, well, you know, the, the, the asshole. That really, I mean, the asshole dad is really just about you know me, which is you know my favorite subject anyway. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we just, uh, I just threw together. I just threw together, you know, 90, uh, 95 stories about things that have happened to me. And and what was interesting is that, you know, people would read them. And and usually when they're laughing, they're not necessarily laughing at my story. They're laughing at their own story, which they think about when they're reading my stories, right? Because everything I do is pretty much the same as everything everybody else does. You know, I just maybe look at it in a slightly twisted, perverted way. But (laughs) I think that's what's fun about the book is that we've all had those experiences. You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about my kids, you know skinning their knees or telling me to go F myself or, you know, whatever else they do. And uh, I think that's what that's the universality of of parenting.
1: I love it. I think it's awesome. Thank you. The binky story is so true.
3: (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's it's like crack. It's like baby crack.
3: No. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, we all know that. You know. I mean, trying to get rid of that banky. I, I mean, it's you, you know, it's like it, it's like it's like the Iraq War. You know. I mean, it's it's a it's gnarly, and the kids hate you, and you hate you, and your neighbors hate you, and but you got to go through it. You know.
1: We're pulling I mean, I all the troops out. We're pulling all the yeah. troops out, and then like three days later, you're like, I can't take it. We're sending them back in. We're gonna yeah. Well, the problem is, is,
3: once they're done with the banky, then they discover video games, and then you're really screwed at that point. But. um yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's like a lot of parenting. I mean, a lot of my parenting stories are about the fear and terror of going in, you know? Like, you can't believe you're about to try whatever stupid thing you're about to try, and you know your kid's going to be damaged for the rest of their lives. And then you do it, and then two days later, they don't remember anything, you know? Exactly. So.
1: They're, they're, like, constantly drunk. It's like crazy if they're joke. lucky.
3: If they're, no, that's me you're talking about. Let's we'll, we'll focus on the kids occasionally.
1: They do insanely crazy things. They take amazing risks. You can't understand a word they're saying, and the next morning they don't remember any of it.
3: Yeah. Well, you're still talking about me. At some point, I like to focus on the kids. Yeah, no, it's all true. It's, I mean, look, the whole, the whole concept of parenting, well, parenting the first one at least. I think that's, I think that's accurate when you're parenting the first one. You know, the sec, by the second one, you don't care anymore, you know? I mean, you'll leave, you know, you'll leave the the, the, the poison, on the, the rat poison on the kitchen floor, and, you know, it just really doesn't matter to you anymore after the first one. But that, <laughs> that first one's when you get all the fear and terror out of your system, and you realize no matter how badly you screw it up, the kid's going to survive and still make it into preschool. So whatever. The second one gets kind of, you know, neglected a touch.
1: Exactly. As long as you're sort of paying attention to them and you're sort of being nice to them and you're kind of like – engaging in their ridiculous behavior with them then you're doing a pretty good job that's the way i feel about it
3: yeah no i agree i mean look my father you know my father didn't know my name until i was about 18 years old but um (laughs) he continued you know he paid the mortgage you know and the life bills got paid and i I always had a new baseball glove every year so you know we're still hanging out together and it's all right i mean i think that's kind of i mean honestly the book is you know I, i call it the asshole dad and i guess i'm the asshole since i wrote it but um you know, it's an ironic book, and, and, and really, I think, that, I think that most other parents are assholes. I think that's really what I'm saying, because what, what, what I try and do with my kids is I try and, you know, use some common sense in parenting. And I think what's happened in parenting these days is, like, it's just gotten so ridiculous. You know, it's gotten so ridiculous about the way parents coddle their kids, and the way parents overprotect their kids, and they don't let them experience anything. And what you just said is so true, because I think at the end of the day, if you just love your kids, you do your best, you know, you can, you can leave gluten in their diet. You know they can watch spongebob it, it's okay i mean they're not going to end up living underneath a bridge you know and 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 i think my parenting style is a lot kind of retro i kind of throw back and i mean, i want my kids to get hurt and bang their head and, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you know eat the rocks purpose, or whatever
1: repeatedly but yes yeah i mean you know they'll learn you know i
3: mean we <laughs> all you know I mean, we all did horrible things when we were kids and we you know we broke our arms we learned how not to break our arms again and i think that's kind of what you know, my book is all about is like, let's get back to kind of parenting, you know, with normal parents, <laughs> you know, not not like the parents who who've started to kind of come out of the woodwork in, in, in the 21st century. So
1: it's scary. I'm I am so on board with you. It's funny. I mean, we probably write very similar articles and, and things like that because I'm I'm right there with you. I'm old school parenting, you know, it's everything in moderation, including eating dirt. I really don't care. Here's an example of how ridiculous parenting has become. And if you're the person who said this, I apologize. No, forget it. If you're the person who said this, you know who you are. There was an entire story about these binky, um, the binky fairy, like having Mm -hmm. these binky taking parties, right? And one of the parents, and somebody introduced the idea of the binky fairy, that the binky fairy would come and take the binky, and then you would be free from it, and then you could move on and be a normally functioning child from that point. And this one woman literally wrote, if a fairy is going to fly into my child's room, they're going to leave things, not take things. I'm completely opposed to that concept of the binky fairy. I'm like, do you understand how many levels of wrong that was?
3: Well, you know, there's a lot of parents out there that should be killed, Tara, and, and that might be the number one on the list. I mean, yeah, it's just – it's really ridiculous. The whole concept of, of what parenting has become is just ridiculous when you hear about – you know, you hear about the kid. I think it's actually in your area, New Jersey, the girl who sued her parents because they didn't want to pay for college, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. This...
1: You know what? I'm the, ba- I'm the wrong person to talk to about that one because I was totally on the kid's side. I think the parents were assholes in that, in that deal. Well, they may have
3: been assholes, but, I mean, are they, are they required to pay for a college education? Are they required to do all – I mean, I don't think there's a sense of entitlement that I think our kids have that has really kind of – and by the way, that judge, although he threw out the case, he did give the parents punitive damages for making the girl take out her garbage. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> but, I mean, is not there, isn't there an unbelievable sense of entitlement these kids have? I mean, they really believe they're entitled to everything in the world. I mean, we have them believing that they're Jesus Christ by 10th grade. And, you know, and they just think that that's the way it's going to be the rest of their lives. And and I think that's the the essential problem with with the way we're raising our kids these days is they don't understand that the world's a tough place and people want to take their money and people want to, you know, sue them for sexual harassment and all sorts of other crazy things. And they've got to be prepared for it. And I I don't know that we as parents are doing a very good job of of preparing the kids for, for that eventuality. I think we're making our kids
1: feel entitled. We're telling them that they can have everything that they want and on a silver platter. Don't you agree?
3: Well, not only are we telling it, but we're making them think they deserve it. You know, that's the problem. I mean, it's one thing if I send my kid to private school and I take out a second mortgage of my house to pay for it. That's one thing. But I want the kid to know that, hey, you know what? Like, you may lose this next year. You don't get this because you're some kind of, you know, Einstein, Bill Gates, Jesse Owens clone. I mean, you're just lucky. So appreciate your <laughs> luck and, and have a little gratitude and understand, you know, that you still have to work and, and, and thrive and, and try and succeed without me, you know, writing a check for it. True. I think so maybe we I'm want a-
1: our kids to have better than what we had. Yeah. But I think more importantly, we want people to think we are better than they are.
3: <laughs> I, think, I think that's a very valid point. You know, but, but, look, all parents throughout all history have wanted their kids to have better than they had. I mean, look, my dad, my dad immigrated to this country in 1962. He came here with 400 bucks in his pocket, you know, and he managed to you know, build an amazing life for us and send us to school and do all sorts of great things. But I, I think that what's happened now is that we've gone beyond the I want my kid to have a better life. It's I want my kid to believe he's Superman. Or she's Supergirl,
1: mm-hmm. Superwoman. Mm-hmm.
3: I don't know what the I don't know what the politically correct term is for girls and Superman these days, but um, Wonder, Woman. You know, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. There you go. There you go. Um, but I think we, we want them to believe, <laughs> you know, from the very from their very guts that they are these super you know superheroes, and they, you know they're probably not. <laughs> you know they're probably right. just kind of you know good kids and and doing their best like we all are, and I, I think it's really distorted. You know, and I think if you look at, you know, millennials, you know, some of the, 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 the young adults who are coming up who have kind of been brought up in this environment. I don't know, Tara, how many people you employ, but uh, I, I got a couple 24-year-olds who work at this office who, mm-hmm. if they show up on time, they, they expect a cookie, you know? No
1: kidding, right?
3: Or, or a trophy mm-hmm. if they stay after the And it's because their parent brought them. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, of course they did. Not only cookie, they brought them a three-course meal, you know, and told them, and told them you know, good eating. Way, way <laughs> to eat that sugar. You're doing a great job. You know, it's kind
1: of crazy. You're cutting your employees' steak at lunch. Like, (laughs) tomorrow I am not doing this again. This is the
3: last day. No, 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 I hire an entire catering company to cut their steak at lunch. I mean, I'm going to keep it rolling.
1: But, yeah, it's a little crazy. The whole
3: thing's a little crazy, and maybe we'd all be better off if we were assholes. You know, it's not necessarily a bad thing.
1: I think more parents need to be assholes. And I don't mean, like, Adrian Peterson, abusive assholes. I mean, well, like, I'm not going to give you everything that you want. I'm going to make you work for stuff, assholes. Yeah, and, I, I, or like, if the kid pushes you off the swing and you come over and say, you know, it wasn't fair, you know, and but you were just telling that kid how fat they were and that they shouldn't be on the swing. Maybe you deserve to be pushed. Like, that's the kind of asshole I am.
3: Yeah, and I totally agree with that. And and the other thing I think is that. You know, it's, it's also when, you, when bad things... Like, parents are, are so desperate to, to prevent any bad thing from happening to their kid. I don't want anything bad to happen. Well, you know what happens when something bad occurs is that you learn. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, I used to take my bike when I was a little eight-year-old, whatever, go streaming around the streets. I didn't have a helmet or elbow pads. Are you kidding? That was for the geeky kids. Oh, you know, no. and I... And, and, and guess what? I hit a couple of curbs. I ran into a couple of cars. I got a couple concussions which might explain, you know, what I've become these days. But you know what? When I learned, I learned not to do it again, you know, and that's the thing that I think is so tragic about the way we treat our children is that they're not learning. You know, there's everything in their life. is just like this unmitigated string of successes. Everything's a win. Everything's a victory. I get a trophy no matter how pathetic of a loser
1: I was. And we just talked about that. You missed that conversation. I'm sorry, Dan.
3: Yeah, you guys didn't call me. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs>
1: <part>. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Like,
3: you know, we, we actually, we put our kids, both my kids went into private school this year. We, they were in public before that. And so, and one of the questions we asked all these private schools, which are all like, you know, you know, I live in L.A., right? It's like ridiculous celebrity kid, like, you know, Shaquille O'Neal's kid goes to my kid's school. So, But, but the first thing we, we asked them at every school was, are you going to let them fail? If my kid fails, will he get an F? You know, and there were some schools like they said it in, in, in pedagogical, very academic language, but some of them said, "No, we're not oh going to learn to fail.
1: We have to you go to break." I can't believe our time is That's up, it? Dan. I know what? it's ridiculous. I, I just got rolling, He's... Tara. <laughs> I Take know the next we have to we have to have you back on, but in the meantime, everybody, go check out the complete asshole dad, random musings of an inappropriate parent. Dan, you were such a delightful guest. I am so thankful that you came here. When we come back, we're going to talk to Stacy Wheeler, the stepdad.
3: Thank you very uh, much. Oh,
0: f- it. It. Parrot Nation, Tara Kennedy Klein needs a pee break, and then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist. Welcome to The Quip with Miriam Nicole Huffman, a modern woman's guide to styling her faith, family and finances the online radio show dedicated to today's positive purpose driven woman who's ready to heal her heart, her head and her household by realigning with what she values most. If your highest values are faith, family, finances and freedom, you're in the right place. Host Miriam Nicole Huffman is a woman on a mission. Her mess to success journey has taken her from life as an upper middle class stay-at-home mom to a broke single mom to living a life of joy and wholeness as She builds a thriving business while raising her healthy, happy family. Every week on The Quip, Miriam Nicole shares her love, life, legal, and lifestyle success secrets. Whether it's wisdom you're seeking, inspiration and motivation from someone who's hit rock bottom and risen to success, or you want to know how to fully align your faith, family, and finances to create more freedom for yourself, you're in excellent hands with Miriam Nicole. Check out past shows by clicking on the podcast player to the right, or check our recent guests in the blog below. Got a question for Miriam Nicole? Want to be a guest on her show? Email us at thequip at miriamnicolehuffman.com. And join us every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Velasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers, and familiars to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velasi's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways. We paint with an inspired palette. Weave our own healing traditions and become our own guru. Velasi is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to Stole the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons Her mantra is, be your own guru She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist Who likes to churn delightful, useful things From a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving Old medicine and new cures Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Only here on the WooHoo Radio Network
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We are having an awesome Dad Day. We forgot to even mention that it was Dad Day at the beginning of the show, Kelly. That's right. It's Dad Day. It's the first show of the month. we got to love our dads. I love our dads. We do. So our next dad is an awesome author. His name is Stacy Wheeler, and he wrote a book called The Stepdad's Guide Resolving Family Conflict. And I really love this book because I grew up with step-parents and I had a particularly strained relationship with my stepdad until one pivotal moment. And we'll talk with, with Stacy about that. But I think it's really important. We give so much credit to stepmoms. We talk so much about stepmoms. We don't talk enough about stepdads. And they, I think stepdads struggle even more than stepmoms do in some cases because of the level of authority that they're supposed to bring to the home. So I'm really excited to talk with him. Stacey, are you there?
4: I am Tara.
1: Hey, how are you?
4: Good, but well, I don't know if I can follow that act. Though Dan is—he uh, is a whirlwind. Yes, <laughs> guys <guest. Yeah, laughs> you have your own show together.
1: <laughs> we'll put you on completely different platforms, Stacy. I—I think uh, you know. I don't think <laughs> I don't think Dan is is trying to bring a whole lot of advice.
4: <laughs> to Dan's parents. amazing. Just, He's uh, just you know more the, the one after that. uh he. Uh, he contributed to "Dads Behaving Dadly," which was a great chapter too, and I, I have a chapter in there as well. So, definitely a good company. I'm aware of Dan and, and his, his irreverent hilarity.
1: He's amazing, and so we're we're so in sync. I'm I'm glad to have so many dads from "Dads Behaving Dadly" on the show because and we've got a nice group. It really is a nice group, and an intelligent group, and a fun group, and I, it's it's a great book, and you all have. You all have wonderful books to your own credit too, and so the stepdad's guide. I was reading through it. Like I said, you know, we're uh, I'm, we're not in that situation, but I do a lot of work with step families, um, you know, blended families and mixed families and that sort of thing. And I find that stepdads really do struggle, but they they don't they internalize it.
4: Yeah, yeah, really internalize. It's true, it. it's true, and uh, that's in fact that's why I, I started my website. Stepdadding.com, D-A-D-D-I-N-G. Uh, the reason for that is that you know, I, at one point, I was here. Um, if, if you go to the website, the store the whole story is there. But the short story is that at one point, I was ready to give up. You know, everything was it was just too hard, and it didn't make any sense because we were a good couple. It was just this this strange amount of tension and stress, and I just couldn't put my finger on it. Luckily, I'm I'm stubborn enough that I didn't give up, and I, I really started digging in and being a family dynamics researcher. I, I learned, you know, what the issues were. I mean, we're having fights over nothing, and it wasn't about that. It was about these other things that are causing amazing amounts of stress, like you mentioned earlier. You know, just, uh, you know, taking on the uh, punisher role. If, you, if you're forced into that, it, it creates a big problem because now you're the stepdad and you're also now you're the bad stepdad maybe if you're the punisher. And, you know, dealing with her ex, that's a challenging thing, being an, an extra member of the family. um you mentioned that there's a lot of resources for stepmoms out there, but the truth is there are less stepmoms than there are stepdads because women are more likely to get custody than men. So when they remarry, you're more likely to have a stepdad in a, in a blended family household than a stepmom. Wow. In terms of full-time parents, I mean, guys get remarried too, but they're less likely to have the kids full-time.
1: That's pretty amazing. Never even thought of that. Yeah,
4: when stepdadding, we we bridge that that giant gap men are less likely to reach out for help but when they do there wasn't one place to find that so that's what we provide and always free of charge great information and inspiration for stepdads
1: so it's an online service right
4: it is and it's not even so much a service it's a website that you can go to you can uh, look at the, the ask the stepdad section for questions that maybe you have if you don't have them We actually have a link you can ask us, and, uh, you know, we'll answer that for you or point you out uh, a location where you can find the answer to your question. A lot of the questions are the same. Uh, You know, I found that uh, when I wrote my next book that's coming out in the spring, there's five or six major things that almost all stepdads deal with. And once you understand what those are and how they affect you, you can improve the divorce rates quite a bit. And the divorce rates are abysmal.
1: Yeah, the, the divorce rates among step parents are, are just as high. You know, yeah. that's the high, yeah. yeah. Because. Uh, they're, they're
4: actually higher than uh, the, half the bets on a roulette wheel give you better odds than staying married in a blended family relationship. Uh, the, the success rate is something around 25 to 27%, which wow. means that you have know, about two thirds chance of failing before you say, I do.
1: That's so sad. It's so sad. And it's, I think it has so much to do with like my, my struggle with my stepdad was very much what you said. I already have a dad. I don't need you to father me. I certainly don't need you to discipline me. And my mom was a very strong woman and she didn't approve of his parenting methods. So she didn't allow him to apply them with me that they went on to have three other kids together who were parented completely differently from me, but I was always the one who, and I don't think my mom even realized it, she isolated me by doing that. I would rather have been subjected to his parenting methods than been isolated from my siblings and my family for being parented differently.
4: Yeah, you know, you're you're living proof that stepdads can turn out pretty, or stepkids can turn out pretty darn good. You know, it's, it is interesting, though, you point out something that, I think the majority, no, I'm certain the majority, of uh, of uh, single moms who marry guys, this is a mistake that those couples make on a regular basis, and that's not talking about the details. Uh, you know, it's like, what role is he supposed to play? And there's an assumption. Most couples will get together and, say, hey, we love each other. We're great together. I know what she wants. Uh, she knows, She thinks she knows what he wants or the, what he she wants him to do. And... Most of the time, they're wrong, and even when you do define it, maybe she says, "Hey, I want you to play a father figure." Well, what does that mean to you? Everybody Mm has had had a different experience growing up. It's rarely that two biological parents can agree on how to parent children. You know, you need to dig deeper and say, "You know, what what does a father figure do, or what you know, what what does a a, a fun uncle figure do? Whatever role it is, you uh, you expect him to play." And that's a conversation that, when you have it, it's great because then you're both working from the same playbook. Um, you know, you know whether you know if 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 he is if she insists that he be the punisher. Well, what what punishments do you feel are appropriate? These are really important conversations to have. And on mm-hmm. the record, I I think stepdad being the punisher is one of the worst things you can do. Uh, yeah. Mom should lay down the punishment. The stepdad should back her up. But family bonding is huge and vital and important. If you want the entire family to feel like part of the family the worst thing you can do is drive that wedge in there immediately by being the bad guy. Uh, you know, it's, right. it's a big mistake.
1: I agree with you 100%. And I know that the, the whole bigger voice and stronger presence comes into play there, and you want the kids to respect you. But I think that we, we come from generations of people who say, I was scared to death of my dad, so I respected him. Like we, we yeah. totally don't understand what that dynamic really looks like, you know. I wasn't scared of my dad, but I respect him immensely. You can and, you and can that's, achieve that's one without the other.
4: Hey, as a stepdad, we love to hear that. One of my favorite uh, uh, professors in college, she 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 says she stalks me. She stalks stepdads' Facebook page because she was a stepdaughter and she loved her stepdad. He, you know, she'll go on forever about, you know, what an amazing person he was and, and what a difference he made in her life. And, yeah, you know, I love hearing stories like that because it tells me that a good man who puts a little effort in can do a really good job and you gotta be creative to do it. In fact, that's what my chapter in Dad's Behaving Dadly is all about, being creative and, you know, learning to be the other father and embracing that, you know? I. I have a motorcycle and my uh, my, my personalized plate is stepdad because to me it's not a dirty word. Even though society thinks, oh, stepdad, that's bad, you know, it's not. Uh, stepdad, being a stepdad is an honorable thing. It's it's a job that guys don't have to take on, that many men choose to take on, in fact, more and more every year. And, you know, we're in good company. George Washington was a stepdad. I can be proud and say I'm a stepdad.
1: right. Let me ask you a question that brings up a really, really good question for me is how do you feel about being called just dad as a stepdad?
4: I'm fine with it. I've made an effort, and I I highly recommend that all stepdads do this. Don't ever force your kids to call you dad because, Mm -hmm. first of all, it doesn't matter. It's not what you're called. It's how they feel about you. It's how they ultimately feel about you when they're older, really. But my kids, uh, my, my youngest daughter called me dad for a while, and her biological father, I went to pick her up one day, and she said, Dad's here, and I could see his eyes roll back in his head. So we had a really important conversation that day just so I could help them relax. It's not important that the kids call you dad. It's important that they understand you're their parent. That's mm-hmm. the role you play. You're a parent. You're a person there to help them become the best people they can be. And that's a full time job.
1: Right. And here's the thing. As a parent, as a mom, heaven forbid something should happen and my husband and I separate and he he gets married again. I would I would be pissed off that my kids are calling somebody else mom. But at the same time, I would have to appreciate that they feel comfortable enough with her and love her enough to trust her to call her mom.
4: Well, it's about emotional intelligence, too, and and everybody's different. The ultimate variable in parenting, and especially co-parenting as a team, is emotional intelligence. There are a lot of folks out there who will be really intimidated by that, and I think it's, you know, we're, we're very evolved as people, but we're not as evolved as we think. We're still very territorial, and being territorial about our kids is a survival instinct. You protect your family. You protect your tribe, and, you know, maybe in a couple hundred years, that'll change, but... I, I always say, you know, the uh, it it should be on the step to have that conversation with the stepmom or stepdad. I, I when I talked to my kid's biological father, I said, "Look, yeah, I I love the kids, I adore them. The fact that she's chosen to call me dad is a wonderful thing. But I'm not trying to replace you." And that right. was a lot easier conversation for me to bring out because he's got a, kind of an open wound there. He's mm-hmm. more emotionally vulnerable guys especially we're less likely to talk about. it. I think when when uh, stepmoms are likely to talk about it, they may be likely to talk about it loudly because their emotions are you know, way out there. Someone else is my like kids mom. <laughs> they don't like that. That that's mm-hmm. a painful thing. So it's great when the step can stand up and say, "Hey, look. I'm not trying to replace you. Love them. I want to be here for them, but you're mom, but your dad."
1: Right. That's and that's so important. And I yeah, I mean, the one the thing that turned it around for me and my stepdad was I'm. Mean, we had a strained relationship until I was like, oh, my gosh, in almost a teenager. And he was he was not dad. He was not stepdad. He was you know, I called him by his first name and I didn't want to be around him and I, I really didn't enjoy him at all. And for my birthday, he gave me a journal. And in the front page of the journal, he wrote this paragraph. And it was really—it was a really simple, beautiful paragraph. And he was not a very eloquent man with words. And he, at the end of the paragraph, he said, "I've always loved you as if you were my own daughter." And that flipped a switch for me.
4: Isn't that because, interesting? It's just the little things. It, yeah. it, you know, it, it, and it—it it, it may seem like a little thing, but you know that. In retrospect, he probably put a lot of thought into that. He thought, man, what can I do to improve this? What can I do to make her feel more comfortable?
0: Mm-hmm. And, you and know, those know. are
4: the, the things you got to do as, as a step parent to get the kind of results you need. Like I said, it's a full time job. You almost have to be an amateur psychologist, you definitely have to be creative.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, that we use the term, we only have like two minutes until the show's over, but we, we use the term parenting expert. And I think that so often we look to other people to be the experts. But the fact of the matter is we we are already experts of our own kids. So we have to embrace that. Absolutely. You know, we, we know our kids better than anybody. So, you know, would you suggest like to go to your spouse and say, help me connect with your child? what what are, what are your child's favorite things what scares them you know and do you know do a, a little bit of research and find out what makes this kid tick and what they're used to and know what you're stepping into just like you would with any other important role that you play
4: well look you know you get a new job and you go and you roll up your sleeves and it, you know any person who's going to be successful in that role is going to do a lot of work to get up to speed to ensure their success, but so often, and this is true of biological parents as well as steps, we just jump in and assume that we, we you know we have a clue or we'll figure it out as we go. But you can make a lot of little missteps along the way that build up, and it's a lot of uh, unspoken stuff that happens. You know, whether it's, you know the couple not talking or it's the kids making assumptions. Communication's huge, and uh, you know I. It's it's my hot button, too. And it, so I write a lot about that in stepdadding.com, just being That's able awesome. to have those conversations and how to do that and how to sort of take some time away to talk about the game plan, put together a parenting uh, roadmap so that, right. you know, the two of you are on the same page. Whether you're a biological parent or a, a, a step-parent, it's just good advice. You know, Absolutely. And we're going to have to end with that
1: advice because we have to go. I'm so sorry. But everybody, well, Tara, please check so much. out his book. It's called The Stepdad's Guide, and it's stepdadding.com. Thanks so much, Stacy, And everybody else, keep playing.
4: Thank you, Tara.
0: Connect with Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this.
1: Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling it the